Information can pass through your head all day long, but unless you can capture it and put it on a shelf somewhere, it didn't mean anything. It's the capturing and putting it on a shelf so you can find it again. That's the important part. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information and the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are a wealth of resources to help you thrive, including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Leslie Shannon, who is the head of ecosystem and trend scouting for Nokia, based in Silicon Valley. Her work involves examining new technologies and how they will converge through this decade. She was also a five-time undefeated winner on the U.S. game show Jeopardy and racked up many successes on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. In this episode, Leslie shares insights on finding nuggets, storytelling for synthesis, the five F's of sense-making, visual filing, and far more. Keep listening to learn from Leslie's great insights. Leslie, it's awesome to have you on the show. Ross, lovely to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. So you are definitely keeping on top of uh, lots of new information, uh, both as uh, in your job as a professional trend scouter for a global organization and also as a very successful competitive trivia uh, com- uh, person. So, so how do you do it? <laughs> it's well it, it it does take a lot of mental discipline um and so so just to explain a little bit about both the job and the trivia side of things um in my role as a trend scout i'm, I'm actually physically located in silicon valley and um my role is to look for new um new technology uh, i'm in the telecommunication space so new technology that will some at some point in the future require some kind of telecommunication support and then I, f- I find all these little nuggets of things that small companies are doing, big companies are doing, and then I think of them as building blocks, and then I, u- I, then I weave them together to kind of build these imaginary castles of what's going to be possible in the future. If this company's doing that, and that company's doing that, and this other company's doing that, we can imagine a future in which this, dun, 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 ta-da, you know, this amalgamation of all of these different new things is, is possible. And... And then I I tell that to the people within my company so they can plan what's coming. And I tell that to our customers as well so they can plan how to design their networks for what the future is going to bring. So, and then on the trivia side, um, I am constantly, every single day, my antenna are up, you know, what is a fact that I didn't know? And and then I I note it. and, And again, in order to remember it, I have to weave it into some kind of 
either, you know, if it's historical, some kind of narrative that, that my brain has for, you know, the history of the world, or I have to have some kind of mnemonic. I, I've got to hang some kind of tag on it so I can actually retrieve that information later. And weaving it into the stuff that's already there is, is the easiest way. So both of these these methods actually require um, uh, finding information and then filing it in a way that I can retrieve it and then using you know, storytelling or some kind of synthesis in order to make sense of it and then communicate that sense to others. Wow. It um, sounds like a fun life. <laughs> It is actually, it is, uh, and uh, and 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 because of the, I mean, the thing with the trivia is that you need to review it constantly to to keep things fresh. And so there's a there's a um, an app on the smartphone. Um, it's a flashcard app that a lot of people in competitive trivia use. So every time I see something new, I make a flashcard about it, and. Um, uh, and I've got over 20,000 flashcards now. And then the key is actually to keep reviewing them and to keep reviewing them. And and similarly, when I find a new innovation that I think, oh, okay, that's really interesting, um, um, I actually make a PowerPoint slide out of it because my my means of communication is really in PowerPoint presentations, either internally or um, uh, to others. A picture is worth a thousand words if you're talking about new technologies. If I'm just talking, people will go, yeah, whatever. But if I'm showing a picture of the thing that I'm talking about, oh, that's concrete. Maybe that really is going to happen. And, um, and then, but to keep reviewing the actual slides that I have, so in both cases, I have kind of a file and I'm continually reviewing what I have and continually refreshing the narrative in my head and refreshing my understanding so that it doesn't get old, it continues to stay fresh, and the new information is continually assimilated and uh, uh, incorporated, uh, which also means continually questioning my own assumptions, which is actually very important as well. That's, that's beautiful. So... So let's look at the the PowerPoint slides. So I suppose two questions. So well, is is there a particular format to the slides? How what information have you got on? You've got a picture, you know, as you suppose. Yeah, always a picture. The the bulk of the slide is the picture, mm -hmm. and that's really to communicate to the audience. You know. This thing is real. <laughs> this thing is going to happen. Like, actually, one of the ones that I just uh, uh, just made yesterday, um, I saw that um, the University of Basel in Switzerland was using augmented reality on smartphones to help people through exposure therapy deal with arachnophobia. And so the idea is that you're using your camera on your smartphone to place scary-looking spiders in your environment <laughs> so that you get used to seeing scary-looking spiders. You know, you stick your hand there and you look at your hand through your camera and the app puts a giant hairy spider on your hand. Ah! But, you know, ah, okay, it's, it's you know, and then you get used to it. And it turns out that people who have had that kind of exposure through the augmented reality app, um, they then are much calmer when they encounter a real spider. You know, very nice. Um, and so, so for that one, absolutely, a picture of, you know, the hand with the camera and the giant hairy spider. I can talk about it all, all we like, but as soon as you see that, the big hairy spider on the hand, you get it. <laughs> and you are going to remember it much better than I will. So yeah, picture is the main thing. A little bit of descriptive text. Um, and here, uh, uh, the thing is, slides can go can go traveling. I've, I have actually had slides stolen by other people and then presented as their own. So I actually don't put the whole story in the text on the slide, but just enough to like 
indicate, you know, yeah, there's some interesting things here. But then always the source, always right. the source yes. in the notes section. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you have, if you have any credibility at all, or in order to have any credibility at all, you've got to be able to point to where this came from. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so the, so with those, um, those PowerPoint slides, so you've, you've got a certain format to them. And so what is it then merits getting their PowerPoint slide? What's, what's the, how do you, how do you cross the threshold to say, <laughs> I, I merit a PowerPoint slide? Right. Okay. So, so within my industry, um, it needs to be something that our customer base could ultimately somehow make money from. And my customer base is the phone companies of the world. So what is something that a phone company could conceivably offer to their end users as a service or, you know, or something. And that, that you know, that really, there's a lot <laughs> that goes into that. So that's kind of the first level of, of criteria. And then the second is how, how earth shattering is this? Because the spider thing is really cool, but that's actually not very earth shattering. Um, you know, unless you have crippling arachnophobia, in which case it, it could change your life. But in general, um, uh, you know, the sliding scale. However, um, sometimes it's hard to know what is a standalone thing and what is ultimately going to be part of a bigger story, um, chaining together several things from different uh, different sources, and then you can tell the story of a much bigger development. And so I have a massive, right now it's about 400 sides, I have a massive um, just kind of, here's my index and I have categorizations. And so I make the slide, I slot it into my categorization. Um, and then I have a short version that's kind of my master story. That's what I'm telling at any given time. And that's about, it's about 50 slides. And and so so there's, there's different levels of criteria. First of all, do I care about you at all? And then it's like, okay, apply criteria. Will my customers care? Can they do something with this? Second level of criteria, second level of criteria. Um, uh, do you make it into, you know, the, the, the giant file, and then the oh, the highest. Do you actually make it into the the small file, and then you actually get presented out to others? And to make it into the small file, you've it's got to be part of the overall story that's being told. And right now, that's a story about how um, head-mounted displays and uh, mixed reality glasses are actually ultimately going to be displacing smartphones by 2030. That's that's the big story that I'm looking at. And uh, and there's a lot of little stuff that goes into that. But you know, if I just if I come out and say that to you right now, no way. You know, you're something in your brain is saying, well, she's nuts. That's completely never going to happen. So it's it's up to me to to assemble the facts that I have, to assemble the different bits of evidence that I've gleaned from all these different areas, and to assemble that in order to tell the story, to show this is how I came to this conclusion. Da, 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 da. Okay, now at the end of the 50 slides, what do you think? And Generally, at that point, people go, "Oh, okay, that's not so crazy. Maybe that is going to happen." So, so it's about it's about telling a story, and it's about persuading others that uh, you know all kinds of crazy science fiction sounding things actually are going to happen. So, so you have a thesis, I suppose. Is, is that would that be accurate? Yes, yes, I do. I do have a thesis, and that's actually the thing that I need to keep revisiting. I was because, about to get to that. So, yeah, yeah. So, the, if the intent is to persuade the, of your thesis. I mean, yeah, and I, I, I agree with you in, your, in this particular thesis. 
but but it's not it's not a certain one. Right, lots of variables. Lots can happen. Lots can change. Lots can go wrong, and and I have been doing this for a while. And some of the things, um, like for example, five years ago, I was uh, I, I was looking very hard at what Google and Facebook were doing in terms of alternate ways of bringing connectivity to. Um, uh, to rural markets. They were doing all kinds of things with free Wi-Fi and they were looking at, you know, drones and Google's Project Loon, the balloons and everything. And I was saying, you know, these guys are serious about disrupting the way that connectivity is delivered and we need to pay attention to that. It's uh, Now, the story's not over, but that has not delivered, you know, that has not developed the way that that I thought it would. And and my industry, you know, whew, breathes a huge sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the people in rural markets are still like, hey, we're still underserved here. So um, another thing that I do, and this isn't so much about information gathering, but a way to test my thesis is to look for gaps. Places where there are gaps in terms of technology, those are the places where the innovation is most likely to catch hold. Innovation for innovation's sake, nothing, worthless, doesn't mean a thing. Innovation that solves an existing problem, an ex- Existing problems are where there is a gap in, in what we've got today. So, so if there is a match between an innovation and a current gap um, or a current current problem, then that's when I think it's going to actually get traction, which is why I think finding new ways to connect the people in the world who are not yet connected and finding a lower cost way to do that, that problem is still out there and something something's going to come up and do that. Maybe it's going to be the satellite technology. I don't know. But within every new solution is the kernel of the next problem. So and so yes. so it's never ending. Like you know, we're never done here. My smartphone lets me do all kinds of fabulous things, but now, where do I plug this thing in? That's the new problem. And so yeah, it's 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 always 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 rolling forward. So so I suppose that's something to get us to. All right. So you've got you spot new innovation. Part of the filtering then is to say, does this meet an existing gap, or is this does this have relevance? Is this useful? Right and, and the, right and does the, does it meet the gap? That's kind of the how significant is this, and and because how how big is the gap? How big is the problem? So, so that does needs that mean you've here? already mapped out the gaps, the ones which you are looking for uh, solutions to? Yes. However, that again is where you can, you know complacency. You can't just say oh, I have my list of gaps and I'm done. You've always got to be open to questioning, questioning, questioning. What what am I assuming? that I, you know, that that might be wrong. Um, and what are gaps that I, I was not aware of? I was not aware of the uh, gap in arachnophobia exposure training, but now I know about that one. And so, yay, the guys at the University of Basel, they seem to have filled that. So sometimes when you see something, you're like, that's when you become aware of the gap. And oh, look, here's a solution for that. I can totally see that's a good thing. Um, but other times you, you see things... Um, <laughs> Actually, one of the problems in this industry, especially with uh, uh, kind of trend scouting, is is way too often there's technologies in search of a problem to solve. I remember once I was talking to the CTO of a major um, Oceania-based, I'm not going to name any names here, telco, um, and and he was saying, I need a blockchain app. I'm like, um, okay, well, what problem are you trying to solve? You know, what's, what, what's, uh, what's the issue that you need to address with blockchain? And he just looked at me. He's like, 
I need a blockchain app. I'm like, okay, I hear what's going on here. His board or somebody above him said, oh, blockchain's cool. We need some kind of headline around blockchain. Go make it happen. No, no. It's ridiculous how often that kind of thing happens. It's it's the use of a new technology. It will only find fertile ground if it is actually in service of an existing problem. So you need to start with a problem and see what technology that leads you to. And then you'll actually find something that'll that'll take root and grow. Um, if you're trying to force force blockchain on people, um, guess what? Whatever ideas you come up with are probably not going to be good ones. Yeah, yeah. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. All right, well, let's, let's, let's move on to scanning. So that's part of the job. You guys scan, look around, see what you see. And so uh, you, you obviously see a lot. So how do you... <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you scan? How do you scan it? What are your tools? What's your process? What's your routine? It's it's. Uh, I subscribe to lots of industry newsle- newsletters, um, both in in our own industry, my own industry, and adjacent industries. Um, and I kind of have a, I don't know, if something. Well, and every day I look through all of them and I go really fast. I'm looking for keywords. And yeah, email, email newsletters, absolutely, online. And if something's interesting, then I'm like, ah, okay, this is great. And then I pull it over and I drop it to an Excel spreadsheet. And then every single day, I try to make at least one slide out of something from my Excel spreadsheet. So um, so my, my target is uh, 20 slides a month. I don't always make it, but but that's the kind of volume that I'm looking for. It's, you know, a cadence of about a slide a day. And... Um, uh, and so, 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 you know, scan quickly, but also just be aware for, for anything. And so, and if I happen to come across a trivia point while I'm going as well, then I'll just drop that into my flashcards and keep going. And so, 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 so really it's, 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 you know, find, filter, and then file. Those three are the, that's, that's the input hopper. And then once you have the file, then familiarize, like by reviewing and reviewing um, to make sure that you're, that you haven't forgotten anything either on the trivia side or on the, um, the what are, what are interesting elements of my story here? Because sometimes you, I put things in the giant, you know, 400 slide deck and I forget they're there. And so, you know, just reviewing those, oh yeah, oh gosh, oh yeah. That was that was interesting in the past, but now it's important. I'd forgotten about that one. Okay, bring it in, and then formulate formulating the the story that I'm going to tell, whether it's an external story to convince people about the the credence of of new technological developments and the importance of those, or um, uh, formulating a story so that I can remember um, key bits of information and random bits of information that I happen to come across. So so. Yeah, so that that kind of the the five F's. <laughs> right, no, I like it. Find, filter, file, familiarize, and formulate. There you go. You you made that up? I did. <laughs> Good. Write a book about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that it works for me. Your results may vary. <laughs> 
it's it's important in all of this to find to find a methodology that matches your own brain. Um, you know, one of the one I, I was extremely lucky in terms of the the game show success that I've had. Um, you know, hey, uh, you know, I I I. I I have a reasonably well organized brain. I can I can retrieve things very quickly because of the way that I've consciously filed them, and uh, and I happen to be just naturally a kind of fast person. So you know, fast on the buzzer, sure, no problem. Yeah, sure, create something where you pay money for people to remember things quickly. Okay, <laughs> that just happens to suit me. The same way that somebody who's very tall and has great reflexes, oh, guess what? Basketball is the sport for you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just lucky that my own, you know, way of approaching the world, you know, is rewarded in this like crazy game show kind of way. But, um, but other people, different methods work for different people. And right. it really depends on how your brain is organized. Yeah. So, so I'd say, you know, lean into that as opposed to say, well, there's this method that I heard about from this other person. Oh, no, no, no. Lean into your, you know, discover your own method. That's, that's, that's really what I say to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just coming back to the find. So I'm interested. So newsletters you find are better than scanning publications. Yeah, because I'm I'm uh, um, I'm relying on somebody else's. Uh, I'm basically paying somebody else, except the newsletters are free. I'm paying somebody else to do the scanning for me, because I I only need the keywords because I I know very strongly that what it is that I'm looking for, and so so all I need is a couple of words. Oh, okay, that's worth pursuing. Not not not. Oh, that's worth pursuing. So if somebody else has actually gone through and read the original articles and extracted the keywords for me, absolutely, I am going to, you know, uh, uh, make my time more efficient by piggybacking on their labor, and uh, and then and then I'll go and I'll actually read the the full article before I before I you know make the slide, and you know absorb the the deeper knowledge, which will then make it more memorable for me, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> having having somebody else do that initial abstraction is is invaluable. So, is there, do you have any routines in terms? Is there times of day that you go through your scanning and your note taking on your so then reading the articles? It's all all of the. Um, uh, I, you know, there's multiple daily and weekly emails, uh, email newsletters that I get, and um, uh, and I. I if my morning schedule allows, I generally try to, because I'm in California, this is the worst time zone. Uh, you know, my my headquarters are in Europe. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 hours behind my headquarters. So by the time I wake up in the morning, most of my colleagues, their business day is done. So when I wake up in the morning, my inbox is full of everybody else's day. And, and it's actually quite wonderful. I can just stay in bed and, and just tick, 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 go through the emails and read them all very quickly on the phone, delete the stuff. Okay. Nothing, 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 nothing. Save the ones that, uh, that are the ones that I want to look at more in depth. And then when I get to my desk, I've actually already cleared out the dross from my inbox. The things that I have left, these are the things that I'm going to attack today. And, um, and then I can actually put my focus and attention on them directly. So that's kind of the, the, the daily rhythm that I have for that. I'm also critical of newsletters. Uh, if, like I don't have a, a hard and fast timing, but if I have not uh, gotten any kind of nugget from a newsletter in about, I don't know, two or three months, you know, I'm not measuring it exactly, but if I get the feelings like, well, it's been a while, unsubscribe. 
So, you know, and, and I am, I'm an unsubscribed monster. Stuff that ends up in my inbox, I will look at everything once. But because sometimes, sometimes random stuff comes to you and it's good. You know, it's like, oh, here's a marketing message from somebody. Okay, unsubscribe. Here's a here's an ad for unsubscribe. I really try to keep my inbox as as information focused and information that I care about focused as possible. So, yeah, I <laughs> there was a New Yorker cartoon years ago about uh, unsubscribe a mole, and so like whack a mole, except unsubscribing. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of the way it is. But being ruthless so that the things that come into my inbox I know are things that I want to pay attention to. That's really that's that's part of it as well. So do you when you take notes, do you note where the source as in the newsletter source was just to keep track of that? No. No, I do not keep track of the newsletter. Um uh, unless the newsletter itself has done the reporting, I need I need the yeah. the initial yeah. source. I need the initial source, right? So I will I will use the newsletter as a stepping stone to the initial source, and um, so sometimes that's that is a little unfair on the newsletter creators because I'm not you know confess I am not actually giving them the publicity that they probably deserve. Oh, I was, I was thinking more on just of being able to track where you got. Which were the most useful newsletters? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's original source for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you use this uh, delightful phrase at the beginning around imaginary castles of pulling these things together. So what's that process? How do you pull together these all of these snippets and insights and innovations and things that you see to build these uh, building blocks together to create these imaginary castles? Oh, well, it's it's um it's funny because my my education uh, I actually have a master's degree in the history of art, and um, I, my undergraduate degree was in neuroanatomy, uh, where I cut up a lot of rat brains. So so I have a a biology sciences uh, uh, background, but then I did my graduate studies in the history of art, and the thing that the history of art teaches you to do is to to think non-linearly and to think visually and so and to think you know kind of beyond the spreadsheet so it really is it's it's an exercise in imagination and for me a lot of it is visual um you know just just what is it to use these technologies and also kind of you know putting myself in the shoes of these things and you know what problem always asking myself you know what problem does this thing solve what problem does this thing create and then and then that thinking about it that way, you kind of end up with this kind of, you know, three-dimensional puzzle piece that's got various shapes on the outside of it. And then when you see something else that has a reciprocal shape, you can just put them together. <laughs> so, so is... That's that, that's very that's very much the way that I think. And so <laughs> I'm not sure how useful that is for other people. Do you use, a, do you use anything visual? Do you ever sort of take notes or write things or draw things just to piece things together in your mind or is it all just a imaginary construct no it's yeah it's all just an imaginary construct do, do you is it in two or three dimensions or as in this this shape or is it thinking about the new technology that's actually quite amorphous um in terms of the way it's represented in my head but thinking about the trivia that is actually quite solid i can i'm i'm closing my eyes and i'm looking at the timeline for the 19th century in my head right now and so and that's important because i've always got new things to put in and they've as opposed to the technology work that I do where it's up to me where I put stuff, you know, it's like, oh, I think this might go with that. And that's, that's really interesting. And look what you could do with these two things putting together. But, um, but for the, 
for the trivia stuff, you have to file it in the right place or you're not going to access it again. And that that is very visual, particularly things with history and particularly things with dates and timelines and 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 and, and geography. Actually, now now I'm seeing the world and you know and 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 the different countries that are lighting up and the information that's that's hanging off of the different countries. Right. So that's that's that filing system is very visual for me. Right. Though it is a filing system more than a tool of synthesis in that case. Uh, well, no, because uh, I like to think of it as uh, uh, individual categories are like Christmas trees. So, so like actually just now when I closed, I closed my eyes and I saw the world actually just looking at the globe. Brazil is the country that's right in front of me here. And, um, and so what do I know about Brazil? It's actually like decorating a Christmas tree. Um, the more that you know about something, the easier it is to hook more on and the more decorated and, and, and shining the, the Christmas tree becomes. And, um, and, and now when I close my eyes, I don't actually see a Christmas tree, but, but, but I see, you know, kind of Brazil is glowing a lot more brightly for me than Bolivia is, but Bolivia is kind of dark because I don't know as much about Bolivia as I know about Brazil. Um, uh, and so the, the more that you hang on the Christmas tree, the more brightly it glows. And the more you put on, the easier it is to hook more stuff on and then access it again. Because later. there are more connections. Because there's more connections, yeah. I, I remember one of my favorite um, TV programs when I was a kid was um, James Burke did a program, a uh, British guy called Connections. Several of our guests have mentioned that. <laughs> oh my God, the book to that show was like my favorite, favorite book. Yeah, and so th and that actually was probably the thing that taught me as a teenager. Um, you know, you, it connections are important when they cross divides, you know, you don't have to stay in the same groove all the time. You know, you, it's not, you know, you're not locked into a lane here. And um, one of the things that really stuck with me out of connections was James Burke's point, whether it's correct or not, I don't know, but the Renaissance did not, was not triggered by the printing press. The Renaissance was actually triggered by the invention of the index and the ability of people to find information once they had filed in a book somewhere. And that I totally, totally, totally agree with. You know, information can pass through your head all day long, but unless you can capture it and put it on a shelf somewhere, somewhere where you can find it again, it didn't mean anything. So it's the capturing and putting it on a shelf so you can find it again. That's that's the important part. So uh, I, I do have to I mean, <laughs> ask for your compact story. How do you... How did this start? How did you become this? I mean, I love those uh, dual degrees. Those are wonderful compliments. And so you've obviously found your path. <laughs> so how, how did this happen? Um, well, I, the, the, the fundamental thing is that I was, I was trying to figure out how, how people work, what's, what's going on. And, uh, and, and also <laughs> I love doing stuff with my hands. And so I kind of stumbled into, you know, cutting up rat brains and exper experimenting on rats and, and making changes to their brains and see what happens. And, but, but then, and so I was doing that my undergraduate degree, but then at the beginning of my junior year, so the, the third year of, of, uh, of uni, um, uh, I, I'm like, I, I need to be a well-rounded person. So I took art history 101, just the basic art history. And by the end of the first day of the first class, you know, we were looking at the cave paintings of Lascaux in that very first class. I was suddenly just just blown away. It's like, oh my God, I've been cutting up rat brains and I'm actually no closer to understanding, you know, the human mystery, you know, what what makes us tick. But in this one day of looking at the the 
product of of human beings in a particular time and place with their limitations, with their, you know, you can deduce so much and understand so much about the society that produced something. Far more than you can by cutting up a rat brain. And I instantly reworked everything so that I could actually double major in both art history and and neuroanatomy. And then I ended up going to graduate school in the history of art. And it's and it's not just limited to art, right? It's it's any any object tells the story of the society that made it and the time that produced it. If you you know, if you only look. So, so learning, you know, the history of art, that taught me to look and to not make any assumptions and to look and to be open to what does this, what does this event, what does this new development, what does this object have to tell me if I'm open to reading it? And so, you know, yay, lucky me, I had a degree in the history of art, and that has actually turned out to be an excellent way to become a technology trend scout, you know, X decades later. Who knew? <laughs> fantastic, fantastic story. So, I mean, it doesn't need to be brief, and but what what's so but bit to round out, what would you advise to someone who says, All right, I've got lots of information. How do I make sense of it? What do I how do I keep on top of that? What what's what's your summary advice? Um Find the system that works for you. Uh, people will suggest things like index cards or, you know, I, I don't know what. When something is, is it, when something clicks, like people recommended the, the, the flashcard app on my phone like a bunch of times before I tried it. I have a flashcard app on my phone. Yeah, whatever. And I started using it like, whoa, oh yeah, this is the one. This is the one. So, so if you're actually, if you haven't found a system yet for organizing information in your life, um, Keep your keep your eyes open. Keep your mind open. Listen to what other people are saying works for them, and 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 try it. You never know until you actually try something, um, whether it's going to work for you. And again, try to get rid of any assumptions you might have, and give it a go because it might the most unlikely things might end up be the, being the things that work. And and sometimes it is. You know, what is the thing that's going to solve your problem? What What is the problem you need to solve? I need to not only take the information that I take in about my trend scouting, but I need to then present it to others. So, so making a PowerPoint slide, two birds with one stone. I've got this now, this record of this thing that I found, and I can instantly present it to anybody else. And so, you know, that kind of thing. What are the multiple problems that you have? What's the most efficient way that you can do it in a way that actually matches the way that your mind works? There's something out there for everybody. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, but I suppose that, that in a way, you're, what you're suggesting, or or perhaps I'm reading too much, but you're implying that the problem is that is the way of being able to structure or you know make something of what it is the information we encounter. Exactly. You know what? Why is it that you're gathering information? What What is the information for? And and if you can, uh, and if it's just for you, you know, like the flashcards, you know, then something that is just for you. If it is something where you need to turn it around and present it to others, what's something that will actually get you down that path in terms of the presenting it to others, whether it's a PowerPoint or a book or whatever? Um, you know, try uh, efficiency is also something that's near and dear to my heart. So you know. 
try to cut out inefficient steps and 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 that's another part of maximizing your time um and i i actually try to touch information as as little as possible that's why it's like the you know the first cast going through the emails in the morning okay yes yes no 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 and then from yes straight into the excel spreadsheet and then i'm going to make a slide today okay yes i'm going to do that one oh no that one looked good at the time no toss don't spend too much time agonizing. <laughs> it's it's a little bit of Marie Kondo, you yeah, know? Yeah. If this piece of information sparks joy, hang on to it. It's important. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. Off it goes. And and keep curating the things that spark joy for you. Fantastic, Leslie. Well, uh, our conversation has not been not just instructive, but also entertaining and inspiring. <laughs> And I hope not too overwhelming. No, no, absolutely. This been, it's been delightful. So thanks so much, Leslie. Real pleasure to talk to you. Oh, Ross, as always, terrific questions you've been asking. Thank you. You really made me question and query my own processes in a way that I hadn't done before. And so so thank you for that. I'm actually now much more conscious of, of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com, where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.